What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing out there? Man, it feels so good to be back with you guys this week talking again. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Soapbox. My name is TJ and I'm your host and I'm telling you I could be nothing. The Soapbox would be nothing without the love and support that so many of you give each and every week. So, we've got a whole lot to talk about because there's a lot going on in the world today. So, with no further ado, let's jump into the episode. Man, oh man, what have we got going on right now? Okay, so I'm not a an old guy. I'm relatively young, but I tell you, and I'm sure some of you that are listening would say the exact same thing. I have never seen anything in my life like what I'm witnessing right now with this election. Now, on top of that, I have to make something absolutely clear. I am not surprised. I am not by any means surprised at the circus that is being put on dealing with this election. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation with a few people before the election happened, and I told them that I expected there to be opposition from either side, depending on which way this thing played out. So I was not caught off guard by any means whatsoever when statements were made about voter fraud and election rigging and illegal votes. So none of that caught me off guard. The fact that this is, at the time of this recording, four days past the election, not really surprising either, given the fact that so much went on and so many votes came in. So let me set the the foreground for anybody that's been hiding under a rock since Monday night. Tuesday, we had the general election here in the United States of America. In this election, there were many names. Depending on what side of the fence you were on and what state you were from, you had a lot weighing on the decisions that were made. Some states had different laws that were on the ballot, like a couple of the laws that were on the ballot in Florida. Some states didn't have any laws on the ballot, but they had particular individuals that were key to their vote. But no matter what corner of the world you were in, no matter what state you came from, the most hot button decision that everyone had to make was between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Tuesday, election polls opened, people showed up, they cast their votes. Tuesday night, we began this process of figuring out who would be the next president of the United States. Wednesday morning, we wake up and we don't have a decision. Thursday morning, we wake up and we don't have a decision. Friday morning, we wake up and we don't have a decision. Saturday morning, we wake up and we don't have a decision. And here I am on Saturday evening recording this podcast. And at the present moment, we still do not have a decision. Now, that didn't bother me. I had conversation about it, and that didn't bother me. Where my entire spirit, where my heart began to flutter a little bit, and my mind began to go uneasy, was when I realized 
two things. Actually, I realized one thing and another thing just happened and it bothered. So the first thing is kind of easy to talk about because it's what happened. And I think it's disturbed a lot of people since it's happened. So of course, somewhere along the line in those days, Joe Biden gained the lead, the upper hand in this election. Still undecided, still can swing either way, but for the most part, Donald Trump began to lose. At that particular point, Donald Trump took a pathway that was absolutely immature. He did what my children would do if they were losing a game. He began to try to figure out a way to cheat the game, to beat the game, to play people against themselves and to play with the minds of his supporters and those that are in his corner. So he began to sow the seed of doubt, doubt in an election process that this country has engaged in since its foundation. As a matter of fact, the same election process that won him the election four years ago, he made statements like, Voter fraud is happening. Illegal voting is happening. If you count the legal votes, then I win. If you don't count the legal votes or if you count illegal votes, then it's going to be harder. He made accusation after accusation after accusation, falsehood after falsehood, misinformation constantly. There's a stream of it that is not only recorded on his Twitter feed, but also in live news coverage. Now, I'm no political expert. I don't claim to be a historian, but I tell you what I'm not. I'm not an idiot, nor am I stupid, nor am I so gullible to believe that anything that comes out of the mouth of anybody is just simply fact. And the truth of the matter is, is that in 2016, Donald Trump won the presidency and every single one of his supporters backed him on the fact that he won. We have intelligence that has been presented from our intelligence agencies throughout the country that stated that outside forces were attempting to affect the election of that year in the favor of Donald Trump. The first thing that Donald Trump says and his supporters say he won it fair and square, stop crying, except the fact that he is the president. Many of the locations that Donald Trump is losing in right now. He's losing by similar margins than the margins he won in 2016. There was no outcry in 2016 about voter fraud from him and his supporters. There was no outcry in 2016 for recasting and revoting from him and his supporters. The reason being is because he was winning. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is very disturbing because if we are going to set the standard in this country and set the stage in this country, that in a situation where you're winning, everything is acceptable, no matter what it is, I can turn a blind eye to whatever's going on as long as I'm on top. But the minute... I begin to falter. The minute that I begin to lose, now I begin to put the entire process in question. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that in itself is the beginning of the destruction of our democracy. There is absolutely no reason why anybody should be supporting the statements of Donald Trump when it comes to voter fraud or illegal balloting or anything like that if there is no evidence that proves either way. Now, I understand that in Georgia right now, it's a really tight race. Nine times out of 10, that's probably going to end up being a recount. We understand we've been through that. We went through that in Florida. But to make the accusation right now, people that are working tirelessly throughout the night are rigging the voting area for him to lose, it calls our whole process into question. Now, I could think of a million ways to question things that we do, but I'm not going to dare present anything to the American people that is not rooted in facts. And then what makes the situation even more crazier is that Donald Trump has decided to assault the process in Pennsylvania, which is one of the states that's still counting ballots. He's decided to assault the process in Georgia, but in Arizona where he's down, he wants everybody to keep counting. He doesn't want them to keep counting in Pennsylvania. He's tried to block that. He doesn't want them to keep counting in Georgia. But in Arizona, he wants them to keep going because he's behind. If you can't see the malice, deceitful effort in just that statement alone, I, I don't know what to tell you. So that process is disturbing a little bit. And I understand there's nothing I can do about it. It's just got to play out. I get it. I just think that that sets the stage for major implications later on. But that's not the most disturbing thing to me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a moral dilemma. We really are. When you look at the number of the people that actually voted, this election has outpaced and outgrown any election totals in the history of this country. More people voted for Joe Biden than the electrifying year that President Obama got in office. More people voted for Donald Trump this year than they did in 2016. But we are hovering somewhere close to 122, 23 million people in total voting. Actually, that's a little over a third of the entire population of our country. But when you look at the numbers of the popular vote, Joe Biden sits roughly 74, maybe pushing 75 million votes. Trump is pushing right at 69 million votes. Ladies and gentlemen, that's division. Our country is divided. And it isn't just something that can be fixed overnight. We are divided morally. We are divided ethically. We have race divisions. We have economic divisions. We have educational divisions, age. Our country is divided. And the sad part about it is that this is 2020. So I could imagine us being so starkly divided 200 years ago. I could imagine it 100 years ago. In all honesty, I could imagine it 50 years ago. But with all of the situations that we've seen from the conception of this country to now, all of the things that we faced, I really had more faith in America to demonstrate something to one of these two candidates. I thought America was going to take a moral stance. I really did. I truly did. 
I know myself and my household took a strong moral stance in how we were going to approach this election in an attempt to send a message to the individuals that we want to support. And and I'm going to lay it out for you because I'm a Christian. And so I wear or I carry a lot of conflict inside of myself right now with the mainstream Christian stance. But then I look at it and I see the division that exists there too. But see, when it comes to the Republican Party, and I'm going to talk about both, we really truly have a dilemma. When it comes to the Republican Party, in all honesty, I'm all for getting conservative judges. I'm all for getting individuals that will be upright, moral, and think about fiscal responsibility and those issues. But I truly, truly thought that the Republican Party and many of the Republicans that exist in the world today in the United States were going to send a message to Donald Trump after watching him for four years continuously lying to the American people, degrading people, assaulting people, constantly doing things that are just morally wrong, even at the conception of Donald Trump's career as president. We listened to audio recordings of him bragging about utilizing his power, his money, and his influence to assault women, to take advantage of them. We watched Donald Trump and witnessed him on live television insult and assault a physically handicapped young man. We've witnessed Donald Trump assault people in his own employ. We've witnessed Donald Trump assault people in the military. We've witnessed the the multiple things that Donald Trump said about our own soldiers, about John McCain, about just different individuals that have given themselves for this country. We listened to audio recording of Donald Trump saying how severe and deadly the coronavirus is and turn around and tell the world it's nothing. And I'm not going to sit here and lay out every single misstep and mistake and personal error that Donald Trump has made because you had four years to see it. You watch the same news I have. You've seen the same clips I have and see everybody wants to bounce to, well, you shouldn't believe everything that comes from CNN or uh, whatever the case may be when it comes to Donald Trump, because they have been after him from the beginning. Okay. You are absolutely correct. But the things that I'm saying didn't come from CNN. The things that I'm saying didn't come from ABC, didn't come from CBS, didn't come from NBC. They came from this man's mouth himself in press conferences, in rallies, in news situations, in interviews. This is stuff that comes out of this man's mouth. And I'm supposed to just ignore it. You see, I thought that the Republican Party was going to send a message to Donald Trump and say, look, We're going to stand on our foundation. We're going to stand on our morals, but we're not going to stand with you. I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought the American people were going to send a message to Donald Trump. I deal with people every single day, every day of all walks of life. We work together. We strive together. But for some strange reason, when it comes to this guy, 
People don't want to turn him off. And then I thought to myself that the church would send a message to Donald Trump. I thought that the people that stand in their pulpits on Sunday morning and talk about peace and love and happiness and justice, talk about caring for the poor and for the needy and for the immigrant. I thought that the people who were following the ways of Jesus Christ were going to eventually stand up and say to Donald Trump, sir, you are evil and immoral. And though I refuse to falter from my personal faith and individual stance, I will not back you. I thought that was the message that was going to be sent. It wasn't. And I've heard all of the excuses. Well, he's pro-life. I don't even have time to go into all of that. Ultimately, what does that even mean or matter? Statistics have shown that not only has abortion failed in the last 50 years continuously, but it falls deeper under Democratic presidents than it does under Republicans. And I'm not even going to go into the whole issue with Roe versus Wade and how that doesn't even fix anything. But nevertheless, people use that as an excuse. Me personally, I hate abortion. I can't stand it. I don't believe that anybody should be able to use it as a contraceptive. But trust and believe, I'm not against all abortions. I feel that there should be common sense laws that govern when an abortion can and cannot be used. Definitely not at the discretion of the people. If that's the case, then we just put a gun in everybody's hands and you just kill anybody that you feel like is going to affect your life negatively. But that's not my stance. I hear Christians say, well, he's against gay rights. Now, understand, there are a whole lot of people in the world right now that are sinning in a million different ways. Just because a person has decided to be a homosexual doesn't mean that we develop an entire campaign against them based off of this dude. I guarantee you, Donald Trump's stance on gay rights is not as conservative as the parties. And how does that even change anything? The man's been president for four years. What has he done to fight against gay marriage? Well, he supports Israel and he moved the embassy. All right. So he did. Let's take into consideration one thing though. The Israel that you are respecting now is the Israel military state and is not the initial 12 tribes that originally made up Israel. Let's make that clear, first off. Secondly, every single president has said the exact same thing. The only difference is, is that Donald Trump knew that this was a play that he could make to make his base larger. So what he did, he said, I tell you what, we've already agreed to do it. We've already said we're going to do it. You guys go do it. But let me tell you something that none of you are thinking about when you talk about this Israel matter. This new peace treaty that Donald Trump has made or has brokered or is taking credit for is not biblical by any means whatsoever. Because for one, at no point in time was there or should there have ever been an agreement to the settlement of that area. There's nowhere in the Bible that supports this agreement that he made. However, it's because he made it that people are happy. Because had this agreement been made 
by a Democratic president, every single Republican alive would have threw the Bible up in their hands and said, it's blasphemy. But because Donald Trump did it, it's okay. So that hurt me. That hurt me. The church is torn when it comes to Trump. The American people are torn when it comes to Trump. The Republican Party is torn when it comes to Trump. So things didn't go that way. But then I turn around and look at the masses that voted for Joe Biden. And without restraint, this is devastating too. Joe stands for a lot of things that I really, truly support. Decency, honor, a care for the poor, the defenseless, the marginalized. Those are actually Christian element, Christian attribute. People want to beat Joe up for the crime bill. But what they refuse to acknowledge is that the black congressional caucus signed that bill too. It wasn't like Joe was alone when those efforts were made. Now I'm not giving him an out, but he wasn't by himself. But me and Joe begin to part ways on a couple issues that I feel matter greatly. One of them is abortion again. I am no fan of using abortion as a contraceptive, like it's a a condom. But what disturbs me even more about some of the more progressive Democratic members that Joe is in council with is these late-term abortions. Aborting children when they're in a trimester that practically they could be born is absolutely murder. They have rights. They have privileges. They have a need just like you and I have a need. And somebody has to defend them. And then there's this transgender movement. Joe and the Democratic Party have embraced the transgender movement. Now, I am of no illusion. I told you at the beginning of this segment, I'm not an idiot. I know that that is a pocket that this party feels like they can use to booster their standings. I get it. But make no mistake about it. If you want to target adults, then target adults. But what is despicable is the efforts that I see to target the young people of America. I've got little children, an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. I don't want them looking at cartoons and animations, and I'm having to wonder if there's going to be homosexual content being peddled to them. When they become old enough to tackle those issues, then they can tackle them and they can face them. But don't try to indoctrinate them now. There's an animation or a cartoon that's out there right now that I know my kids would watch if I would allow them, where there's a young man who turns into a female as a superhero. I don't want my child placing that in their mind. And it has absolutely nothing to do with me attacking the lifestyle of these people. If you choose to do that, by all means, do it. But for one thing, let my child grow up and decide to do that when he becomes a man. Not while he's still trying to figure out how to put on his underwear properly. You're trying to indoctrinate my child sexually before he even knows how to drive. That's not right. And then this Supreme Court issue. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. In the last 47 years, the Supreme Court has been exactly what it has been. Mostly conservative. Very rarely have there ever been a situation where Democrats even could glimpse at holding a majority on the Supreme Court. As a matter of fact, in the last 47 years, there's only been four Democratic justices appointed on the board. But 
The founding fathers of this country developed that court for a reason. And they also developed it the way they did so that it would balance things out. Now that balance may swing one way or another, but the truth of the matter is, is that nobody needs to touch that court. I am no fan whatsoever of this idea that has been pumped from the angle of Joe and his team about expanding the court, adding justices. To me, you're just taking a page out of Trump's book. You can't win the game the way it's being played. So you want to change the game. That's not fair. You do what every other president has done since this country has been founded. And you figure out a way to work with the people on the other side or nothing happens. We need to stop trying to change the format and start affecting what's happening inside. See, I thought the Democratic Party was going to stand up to Joe in some of these areas. I thought there were individuals right inside of that party that were going to stand there and be wholesome in some of these areas. I thought the American people would do the same. And yes, there is a portion of the church that is definitely behind Joe Biden. But when I look at the numbers from Joe and Donald, from Biden and Trump, I realize that these two guys are exactly what America wants. Donald Trump is exactly what his followers want. He's exactly what they want to be. Somebody that's harsh, that's rash, that's blunt, that tells it like it is. Somebody who follows their ideals without any type of concern to any other individual. Rich, powerful, influential. Donald Trump is the dream of these people. And that's sad because the majority of the church... The majority of the evangelical movement is following the beat of Donald Trump's drum. And we were not called to be that way. But then on the other side, Joe's the same way. Yeah, Joe's decent. Joe's kind. Joe's smooth talking. He's considerate. Joe cares about the poor. Joe cares about the needy. But Joe has morality issues. Like I said, Joe didn't do it alone, but Joe Biden has a history in the racial issues in this country. Joe is a contributor to one of the reasons why African-Americans are the highest, most incarcerated race in this nation. Joe has a very progressive approach to the court, to abortion. Joe is who his people want. He's who his people want to be. And here is the moral dilemma. I don't want to be either one of them. I don't want to be Donald Trump and I don't want to be Joe Biden. And everybody is pulling each other in each direction. And you've got this pocket of people that sit right in the middle and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn because you've got moral issues on the right. You've got moral issues on the left. You've got civil issues on the right. You've got civil issues on the left. On the right, you've got people fighting against riots and violence and not even acknowledging civil unrest and social inequality. On the left, you've got people fighting against discrimination of gender and discrimination of sexual orientation but they don't even want to preserve the sanctity of the family. African-Americans that are out there right now 
Ladies and gentlemen, African Americans, black people that listen to this podcast, the nuclear family, the husband, the wife, the child, the breakup of that is the breakup of the African American community. If you don't understand that, then you don't understand the plight that black Americans deal with every day. Strip the male out of the home was the original plan of the slave master. I don't want to be either one of these guys. And it is absolutely horrifying to see the drift between the two sides. But what hurts me more than anything else is that the church is supposed to be a neutral body. The church is not supposed to be political. Yes, our influence and our actions are supposed to cause change in the world, but we are not supposed to be driving a political side. Yet I see a divide that is so devastating and it's sad because it makes me look at people who I know, love, and trust very differently. And if you're honest with yourself and you're listening to this podcast, it does the same thing to you. Because you have to ask yourself, if you are an African-American male in a church environment and you are dealing with people who support and love Donald Trump and refuse to address civil unrest and social inequality, you have to wonder if these people actually really care. On the flip side, if you're a married couple with a child in a traditional family and you are inside of a church that belongs to a left-leaning congregation. And they're not talking about the wholeness of your home. They're not talking about understanding that there should be limitations on abortion and choice. If those things aren't being discussed, then, then how do you know if they care? How do they care? I'm telling you now, we have a dilemma. And I don't have answers because I don't know how we move from this point and progress. But it'll work. Some kind of way we're going to figure this thing out. But in the meantime, let's see how it goes. Well, all right. That's all I got for you guys today. Uh, you know there's a million and one things going on in the world right now. I can't even fathom what some of you are dealing with in your own areas. And everybody is on edge with this election. So keep your head up. Stay strong. Stay focused. Change will come. I love you. Peace.